Hello, I'm Tyler Smith, and this is More Than One Lesson, episode 37. I wanted to say, first off, sorry that I haven't done an episode since uh, mid-December, and that was, so for like a month and for, I think, five weeks, my Christmas episode was uh, was up, so hopefully everybody enjoyed that. Uh, I also wanted to welcome any listeners that I might have gotten from the Irreligiosophy podcast. Uh, That was uh, a lot of fun. After days of trepidation and reluctance, but uh, and I've gotten emails from several of you uh, that are have been very encouraging, and I really do appreciate that. Uh, thank you for taking the time to listen to that episode and possibly listen to uh, some of my episodes. So thank you very much. Uh, all right, so we haven't had a guest in a while, and I'm sure everybody has been missing that because uh, it's just been three episodes in a row of just me talking. So... Let's get right to it. We have a we have a guest with us. I, I always say us, but it's just me. It's uh, the listeners. It's your show too, except I'm the one paying for it. All right. So we have a friend of mine, an actor, writer, director, right? Actor, writer, producer. There we go. All right. Um, named uh, Barlow Jacobs. Barlow, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. All right. So uh, Barlow just got back from uh, Sundance Film Festival. He was in a film called The Oregonian, which we'll discuss more uh, in a moment. But first things first, Barlow, tell us all about yourself. Where do you come from? Where are you going? Well, not so much the where you're going. Right now, where, you're, where do you come from? What, uh, what made you want to get into this uh, crazy business? Um, I think I just... I'll I love stories. Uh, I think that was um, kind of the basis um, of where I started off and uh, kind of grew up uh, in a family that really was all storytellers. Um, And my grandfather ran two theaters for Paramount, um, uh, just small movie theaters. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was kind of, and so that's how my father grew up was going, was going to movies. That was always a form of, um, that's what you did. You just went to movies. Like that was kind of always the form of entertainment. And I think he kind of instilled that in, um, our family. And, and so we just kind of always grew up around, um, and kind of that, that world. So I, I developed a love for film at a really early age and, um, and then started, I guess, you know, started acting, um, and, you know, making movies when I was in high school with my friends and, mm-hmm. uh, went to college and, you know, thought I'd grown out of making movies and, you know, I was going to become a serious, you know, novelist. <laughs> uh, Where did you go to college? I went to university of Mississippi. Okay. Um, and so I was really heavily influenced by, um, a lot of, uh, this kind of Southern writers, um, Walker Percy, um, Faulkner, um, two big ones. And, um, and so, yeah, so they have a wonderful um, Faulkner program at University of Mississippi. And so I thought that would be a great place to be educated. And it was. Um, but it was there that I kind of, um, I think, re- kind of re-fell in love with film and, um, and kind of slowly started transitioning from writing um, short stories to writing scripts again. And um, and then kind of through that kind of refell back in love with acting and, and so started doing theater and, um, and then 
as I got out of college, I kind of fell in a group of um, filmmakers, uh, in particular, uh, David Gordon Green is somebody who I became friends with, and he ended up recommending me for uh, my first uh, feature role, which uh, was in a director named Jeff Nichols' film, Shotgun Stories, mm-hmm. um, which was a you know huge opportunity for me. It was, um, I played, I got to work opposite Michael Shannon, who's, you know, I think yeah. one of, you know, it's just a phenomenal, I think he's one of the best actors out, out there right now. And, um, so that was an awesome experience. And then from that, I was, um, that role opened up a lot more opportunities for me, um, acting and, and, and then as I was doing that, I was kind of continuing to write, um, as well, uh, when I wasn't acting. Um, now I was, uh, to go back a little bit to the, uh, the transition from, you know, great American novelist, uh, to writer and actor and, and all of that. Um, was, and, and this line of questioning might not go anywhere, but the, as you were making that transition or, or as you felt like, uh, kind of the pull to go back towards, let's just call them the dramatic arts. Right. Um, did you, was that a difficult transition? Did you feel like you were being at all, for lack of a better term, disloyal to the idea of, no, I'm supposed to be a novelist or a short story writer or whatever. I, I don't have time for this. This is where I'm actually supposed to be. Or was it actually a pretty smooth transition? For me, I think it was kind of actually like an inevitable um, transition. I'm, um, my, I think my strength as a short story writer was always it was all my stories were more dialogue driven uh, mm-hmm. anyway. And so, um, making that switch to scripts was actually a pretty easy transition for me. Um, and, and actually a more enjoy cause it was like getting to focus on all the things I actually really enjoyed about writing. Um, which was kind of hearing people talk and hearing people interact. Um, and though, I mean, I, I mean, I, I, I'm a voracious reader. Like I, I, I love, um, is voracious a word? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, just re- I realized that came out and I was like, I thought that might've been a Sarah Palin moment. Um, <laughs> there, um, I was like, maybe I should, we're use- trying to avoid politics here, Barlow. Uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Maybe, maybe I should have said ferocious. <laughs> uh, okay, there we go. no, uh, no, I, 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 I love, I love, I just, yeah, I love to, I love to read and I have so much respect and I, and it's now the thought that I, it's almost laughable that I, I ever thought I could be a novelist. Um, but, um, but no, I don't think it was, I think it was just, that was my, that was kind of my transition to, um, to script writing. It was more like a recognition of this, this kind of embodied all the things that I loved about writing. Um, and so that, I think that was what, what the switch was. Yeah, that's uh, that's actually very similar to kind of how it was with me. My my parents and my father especially really loved film and took me to see a lot of movies, and I really loved it. And so I would write short stories. Now, of course, I was a young man, so my short stories were always horror-related and had all kinds of violence, and uh, the descriptions were pages long of this horrific violence of somebody being, being eaten by a Sasquatch or something. Um, that's a real thing. But uh, 
I did notice that in between the huge chunks of uh, horrible, uh, bloody description, there was just long strings of dialogue. And I, after a while, I found that uh, I enjoyed writing that much more than than writing like what a person's doing or what a person where a person is. I, for me, I just really liked watching the interaction between people, and I never made the I never made the jump. Uh, or at least for years, I didn't make the jump and realize, oh, you know what? That uh, you, it's just script writing that you enjoy, right? right. Um, but yeah, uh, sooner or later. Now, what is it? Uh, speaking of that, because there are some people who enjoy enjoy screenwriting and and all that, but they are not that interested in dialogue. Um, for me, that was always the what I like most I, just as you mentioned how people talk and what they choose to say as opposed to what they choose not to say and how they express what they're thinking and feeling and if they have any limitations in that uh, were there any specific movies that kind of that you can point to and say that's a movie that absolutely influenced what I like to do what I want to do um, do you have any off the top of your head um. Yeah, I, I mean, it's funny. Like, not necessarily per the dialogue aspect of of just saying like this is a movie that like from that like where it was. Um, oh, I like the way. Anyway, like that. Not from a writing perspective, I would okay. say, but more. I think. I mean, I like. Badlands was definitely like I saw that when I was seventeen, and that was definitely a. a movie um it kind of where i think the way i watch film kind of went from black and white to color you know as, mm. as far as what film could be and, and and something that i hadn't seen before and um and then going back and and um watching days of heaven I, matt terrence malick was a you know it, it continues to be a, a really big uh influence and um somebody who you know really insp- you know does inspire me did inspire me so i think that that was a big movie and um hoosiers was oddly (laughs) enough another film that is still one of my favorite films and um and i was also uh, um i love sports and i I love sports when uh growing up and played them and stuff and so that was kind of a, a film that kind of combined a lot of loves for me and so i think it was um um to see you know how and I love sports movies too. I'm kind of a, um, no. <laughs> I will go see any, any sport movie and probably appreciate it at, at, at some level. Um, so, so yeah, so it was, um, but now that, that was actually interesting because it was, I was playing sports when I was in high school and, and, and watching that in, in film and seeing the way you could, uh, storytelling could also be an active part about something that I loved and about something that I loved. And I don't know, that was, yeah, so it was big. I don't know if that makes any sense. No, no, absolutely. It's, you know, it's not merely movies. It's movies about something that you are interested in. Right, um, right. But, uh, so I'm, I'm looking at uh, not, not your full filmography, but some of the notable uh, films that you've uh, been a part of. And, of course, you mentioned Shotgun Stories, which uh, was, I mean, of course it wasn't a huge splash, but in the indie world, I mean, it got a lot of attention. 
Um, and I remember, I think was did Ebert did he put it in his overlooked film festival or he because he really loved that film. He did, yeah. I think he put it in one of his top ten films of um, two thousand seven or mm-hmm. two thousand eight, I guess, when it came out. Um, yeah. And yeah, he lo- really really loved that film. And, and um, yeah, it's it's funny. Like uh, actually, uh, Jeff Nichols, um, his second uh, feature was at Sundance this year. It was in competition at Sundance called Take Shelter. Um, and people are really flipping out. I mean, it's phenomenal. It's really good. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. um, he, I feel like he's definitely taking it to the next level with that film. And I feel like shotgun stories will be a film that will grow as, as Jeff develops this film, just as, cause I think more people are, are, are coming to see that will come to see that film. We'll go back and watch that film. And I think a lot of people are, are coming to see it for the first time. Like it's, it's always, um, exciting to hear more you know about people more and more people seeing that film so and then there was uh you were in a film that and i don't think i don't remember if i knew this when i watched it but i knew you uh but there's a movie called great world of sound Mm -hmm. that i'm a big fan of and uh one of the stars of it is pat healy a guy that i that you and i both well of course you know him you were in a film with him but um yeah pat's amazing he's he's yeah. so 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 t- i mean great writer phenomenal actor yeah he's so gifted and your your role was not huge but it was important because it is in the midst of of these people that are uh engaging in in some uh, immoral though not strangely enough not illegal activity uh that's something that you know when you look up the idea of song, uh, song sharking i believe it was, is right. what it's called when you look that up you think what how is this not illegal but it isn't right it's certainly unethical right but that's not the same as it turns out um and so your character is <laughs> is delightful in many ways uh, there's your ridiculous hair and j- he just kind of has a sort of a bumpkin quality to him but he also winds up being the the con that really the only person with a conscience in uh involved with this company and uh and yeah, it's for those that haven't seen it, seek out Great World of Sound. It's uh, it's very interesting. And I did have a question for you. Of course, you you know your your involvement with it was not incredibly extensive. But for those that are not aware of the film, it does have an interesting gimmick. I think it's more than just a gimmick, of course, but it has an interesting gimmick, which is a blending of reality with fiction. It's about these two guys who are very low-level music producers, and they they audition people to be a part of their label. Uh, now, of course, spoilers, the, the audition, they have no intention of really releasing anything by these musical artists, but... They still have the audition, and the auditions themselves, many of them, uh, if not most of them, the person singing thought they were going to a real audition. And I remember uh, as I was reading about that and as I listened to the the commentary of the film, uh, some people were a little put off by that, um, that they were sort of, in their view, being made fun of. And... And what I the reason that I want to bring this up is because when we talk about another film that you may call Lo and Behold, which certainly doesn't trick anybody, they all know they're on camera. But um, that did do you find that that aspect interesting? Were you 
because when you went into the film, did you know that was going to be a part of it? The, the not tricking, that sounds almost mean, but the not disclosing everything to everybody that's auditioning. Did you know about that when you were in it? I did. Um, I know Craig and I had actually been friends for a couple of years before he cast me in that film. And, um, and we were actually occasional writing partners too. And, and I remember he first told me that when we were working on a script together, another script together. Um, and he was kind of, it was ju- he just kind of started writing it. And, um, his, his father actually did that. That, that was where the hmm. idea came from when he, when his father had just gotten out of, uh, college, did it and kind of had a similar art to Pat's character. Um, not realizing what it was at first and then kind of slowly discovering, um, you know, what, what was going on. And, um, and so, but the, the whole, from the beginning, that was the idea of how he wanted to shoot it was to set up a, you know, series of fake, um, mirrors and, Mm -hmm. you know, actually have it all staged on audition. And, um, so I did and thought it was, I mean, I thought it was really brilliant And, 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 no one who was in the film didn't wasn't aware after the fact what was going on. I mean, you know, they got, you know, that someone would come and let them inform them what was going on. And if they wanted to be part of it, um, then great. But if they didn't, you know, they didn't use the, the footage. So it wasn't, there wasn't anything, I think morally wrong. And if anything, um, I think people were excited to be a part of it because anybody who's done that is in that business and has tried to make us very aware of song sharking and, and mm. that. And so the thought of, you know, somebody's actually trying to do a movie about it. I think people were eager to get the word out about it. Cause I'd never heard of it until right. Craig, Craig um, told me about it. And it's also an interesting thing because, um, yeah, I, I feel like if I were in, in the position of one of the, uh, one of the singers, I feel like at first I'd be like, Oh, I feel like I've been duped. But at the same time, one of the things that the film speaks to is just the way artists are just jerked around constantly. And so it's like, meh, I guess I just got jerked around a little bit, but it's in service of letting people know one of the many ways in which we are jerked around and, and really taken for granted in a lot of ways. Right. And so, uh, so yeah, it's, it's for a noble cause. Right. But, uh, also of course, uh, many of those singers, turned out to be very good at what they were right doing. and i think and i and i think that's and it and craig would say and i think he was really adamant because he didn't definitely didn't want people to get the wrong idea that he was somehow taking advantage um of these people i mean i think craig in his heart really sincerely all the people he put in that film he wanted to highlight their music and highlight their gifts and like wanted to put their stuff out there because he was a fan of it. He, I mean, he appreciated what they were doing and appreciated their passion. And, uh, um, and I think he viewed that movie as a way to as celebrating those artists, you know, artists who, what they're, the whole reason they showed up, you know, to something that is borderline shade is because they wanted to be heard. They wanted their music to get, they just wanted that opportunity, that, that chance for someone to, to hear them, you know, to, they had a voice and they wanted to hear it. And, um, and I thought it was interesting too, because you know that was that was what Craig was doing, you know, in the sense of making the film as as his his artist as being a writer and a director. Like this film was him putting his voice out there um, mm-hmm. as an artist, and um, so it's a real it, it is a really wonderful film, and and it's it's one that I I recommend to people as often as I can because yeah, it's really not sp- many people know about it, but it, they should. Like, there's a lot of great acting in there, a lot of great characters, just a, all around a really 
I'd say wonderful film. Yeah, I think it's a film, again, similar. I mean, Jeff uh, and Craig are both directors who we're going to be hearing about for a long time or, or incredible writers and, and wonderful directors. And um, again, I think that's a movie um, that people will end up going back and watching as Craig kind of moves on. I think he's um, just got green lighted to do something for Fox, so, you know, mm-hmm. which is a pretty big book bigger budget and we'll probably you know be out there a lot more and i'm sure it'll be wonderful and so yeah so I'm a, it's always um like getting to see what those kind of guys are doing um is awesome and exciting and i, I hope i have the opportunity to work with both those guys again all right let's let's hope so yeah <laughs> that's the key you got to get on the ground floor right and then they'll just think of you all the time right exactly that's exactly. the idea exactly um now i do want to mention a, a couple movies real quick uh in which you were uh, an actor and then we'll move on to a film called Lo and Behold, which uh, you co-wrote and produced and starred in. Um, but before we do that, I wanted to mention uh, a film called That Evening Sun. We're not going in uh, chronological order, by the way. I wanted to mention That Evening Sun, in which you have a supporting role, uh, but you get one of those rare opportunities for uh, an actor, uh, which is to get to share a scene with somebody that is, I would venture to say, legendary. You were in a scene with Hal Holbrook. Is that correct? Correct, yes. So. And uh, what uh, now, unfortunately, you know, uh, Barlow's my friend and everything, but I haven't seen all his movies. You know, I've seen, I've seen a couple. <laughs> That's good enough. Um, I get it. But, the, uh, but I've not yet seen uh, That Evening Sun. And uh, you are are you only in one scene or two scenes uh it's like basically it's the first like five minutes of the movie is okay uh, is um how and i and, okay. and it's kind of the the arc of the scene is i'm i'm picking him up and he's he's just run away from a homeless shelter and i'm or not homeless shelter sorry um uh old folks home um there's probably a lot of homeless shelters that are nicer than old folks' homes. Um, but that in this film, um, he'd run away from a old folks' home that his son had put him in, and he was trying to get back to his farm. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm sent to go pick him up and bring him back to the old folks' home, and he basically bribes me to take him to the farm. And so, um, so that's what I do. And so we kind of have um, – that's – you know that was a you know that's the scene basically and um yeah it was amazing i i've been a f- fan of house for as long as i can remember i guess i saw capricorn one when i was um 10 years old or i don't even know probably about 10 years old on tbs um on and was convinced that uh we didn't actually go to the moon um that it was all a hollywood <laughs> production um for for a solid year and uh, of a lot of arguments with my parents, um, but that was you know because of Hal's performance in that film, like he was, um, it was you know such a so convincing and you know I think from that point on I kind of have followed his career and had the opportunity in uh, high school to see him do um, he does a one man production of um, Mark Twain and um, it's just. If you ever, he still does it. I, I yeah. mean, he's been doing it for over 50 years. And um, it's, I mean, if you've never even heard of Mark Twain, it's an amazing uh, performance. But, um, and, but I mean, I, I'm a big Twain fan. And, and so to watch him do it, I mean, he is Mark Twain. And mm-hmm. 
it's just it's really really special and, and to hear all the things i mean he's been i mean he's done that he did that performance um actually at the university of mississippi shortly after they integrated and hmm. um maybe i want to say right, right around medgar evans when uh was shot and um it was a hotbed and he came down there and, and did the performance and, and you know there's a lot of twain's get a lot of um really in strong opinions on on race and race relations and and um and you know how to pull any punches you know i think that even the president of the school came to him asked him to stay away from the, that material and he went right after he did it in south africa shortly after the apartheid hmm. um and so yeah he's just i mean scott teams actually who directed that evening son is doing a documentary on on how now and he's just lived an extraordinary life but um yeah it was just special i mean I, I remember right after we finished shooting uh um you know we kind of didn't talk that much while we were on set mainly because that's kind of how our characters relation we kind of as the scene goes on we kind of warm up to each other and i think we both kind of took that approach so as we as the scene developed you know we shot over the course of a week and we kind of you know opened up a lot more to each other and i didn't you know you know i restrained from any hero worship until after we'd finished um yeah. working together but i remember I'll, I'll never forget this i went up to him after and uh to tell him how much he meant meant to me and what you know what a an honor was to work with him and he just kind of looked at me and uh said you, you got what it takes kid and, get, and gave me this hug <laughs> and um and I think I was like, fi- like, uh, fighting tears and was trying to say something. And, and I, I'm looking at his eyes and I'm realizing like, this was not the emotional moment. He, you know, he, he wasn't the same, uh, impact b- back and forth. And probably, I think it ended up just running away. So I didn't embarrass myself anymore. But, um, but no, yeah, like that, those are kind of those moments in life you'll, you'll never forget. And I, um, and was, you know, yeah, it was, yeah, it was just, it was, I learned a ton from him. He's just, he's a total pro. He's, a, he's an extraordinary man, mm-hmm. um, which is always great when you, you know, get to meet somebody and find out they're not a total jerk, but they're actually, you know, I wish that guy was my, you know, grandfather. You know, he has that kind of quality to him. Yeah, he uh, he's an interesting actor because he's just incredibly naturalistic. Like you said, you believe you just kind of believe anything he says. Right, exactly. I mean, even when he's being even on even on designing women. <laughs> oh, I would say especially Some on designing of women. Some best stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, now you were also in a film uh, directed by Joe Swanberg called Alexander the Last, mm-hmm. and um, and you and I were talking before we started recording. And of course, we can't repeat everything that we said there, but uh, but that that film sounded uh and i i started watching it the other day uh, about 5 a.m and realized i don't think i'm ready for this right now uh and so i have not yet uh, gotten around to watching it i'm such a bad friend and a bad podcast host but uh but yeah that that sounded like a very interesting shoot because there was a lot of uh without going into a lot of personal detail it was just a very emotionally charged script and the film itself was and of course to be a part of that it sounded like uh a you know from an acting standpoint a fun opportunity but at the same time i could see it also being rather uh taxing was that it was yeah it was um the movie kind of is dealing with kind of um basically an emotional affair um between two two um 
coworkers um, and and kind of the effect that um, emotional affair has on one of those the characters' um, relationship with her husband. Um, and I, I just had never seen anything like that or heard, heard like that about anything like that on film and thought it was a really interesting subject matter. And Joe, it's funny you say script because <laughs> – I mean, there's, um, if you've ever familiar with kind of mumblecore films, um, there really, um, is no script and, and Joe more basic, it's more outline based and, and it's very, I mean, it's a lot more detailed than I think people, um, would realize. And, and, and Joe has a very specific vision of what he wants, but, um, has an interesting way of getting there. And so, um, I, you know, was excited to have the opportunity to work with Joe because I think he's, um, you know, I think he's doing a lot of interesting things and, um, and that was as an artist, I thought that was an interesting way to work to kind of, um, get, you know, to tackle a subject like that. And, and, and it was a really, really interesting collaboration with other actors and with the director. And, um, yeah, so I, I was really learned a lot from that experience. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like the kind of thing that would, I mean, I guess for everybody, but for the actors especially, I mean, it requires you to have a deep attachment to your characters because mm-hmm. you are asked to uh, improvise and provide a lot of the lines yourself, and so you have to have a strong idea of what this person wants, and it requires a great deal of communication and just being, just really being on your toes. Like the very nature of it, you can't really phone in a performance, which right. sounds it sounds pretty great. Actually, I mean, it, it kind of reminds me of like what you hear about John Cassavetes, who, uh, right. you know, he he would write stuff. But at the, I mean, obviously, when you watch, you know, Faces or A Woman Under the Influence, those never not everything there was written. It was just him trusting in his actors and communicating with his actors and coaxing really raw, uh, sometimes, you know, difficult performances from his actors. Yeah, Woman Under the Influence, that's uh, that's one of my favorites. Uh, yeah. And Killing of a Chinese Bookie. Oh, yeah. Uh, those two. Yeah, those are magic. Um, and also had, those are big, big movies for me as far as just, you know, what what I what was out there and what was possible. And I think, yeah, I think um, uh, Cassavetes on Cassavetes is a book I highly recommend. Um, and it's one I actually, I, I'd read very early on, I think in, in college or at some point and um you know had a maybe I could tell you back as after college um and but it has had a big influence on me and and I reread it before we did uh before I worked with Joe just because hmm. um for that very very reason it is that way and yeah and it was great like I mean you know you kind of oddly prepare the same way you would for any any role in the sense of getting to know your character better. Um, but you don't have necessarily the roadmap. So it becomes a lot more, more than usual conversations with the director, um, of what he wants. And, and it's also, you know, and Joe has a very specific vision for each character and, um, and where he wants the story to go, but, um, he just has a different way of getting to it. So it's almost like you're jointly writing the script as you go along. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. I don't want to head too far down this path, but uh, John Cassavetes is one of those directors that I mean, if I if I had not taken a class about him uh, in school, I wouldn't know much about him. He's he only certain people, only certain uh, writers or directors 
um, seem to know much about him. Um, he's somebody who only only film nerds and and actors seem to really have an appreciation for him. He's not an easy director to watch, Mm-mm. but um, but he's somebody, and he's not somebody that I that I even recommend to people very often because I know that his his films are very unorthodox uh in i mean they're just really character pieces but at the same time these characters act in a way that we don't often see in a very raw way as i said right um but uh but if you're willing to go on the journey uh then by all means do it because it, you'll be rewarded i mean as you said you know killing of a chinese bookie my favorite is probably faces but woman mm. under the influence is amazing yeah um I know I can't remember any of the other ones, but I've seen like eight of these things. Right, shadows. That's shadows, yes. Okay, um, that's for, oh husbands. I'm a big fan of husbands. Yeah, husbands I really like that one. Amazing. Yeah, pure fault, man. That guy's so so good. Yeah, and to think that these days we only ever think of him as Columbo. I know, which is not a bad thing either. Oh no, no, I'm at a all. huge Columbo fan. <laughs> um, all right, now we gotta we gotta move on, but I don't want to move on before touching on uh, on a film that you that you were instrumental in in making uh it's called lo and behold and i will just uh i think i'm just going to shut up and let you talk about it uh i say that i'll probably have a question about 30 seconds in but uh lo and behold tell us about it i was uh it's funny right after we'd done great water sound i was living in new orleans at the time that's where i was kind of based out of and would travel when i needed to travel and um and I'd been living in New Orleans for two, two and a half years and, um, Katrina came and, um, I, you know, was forced to evacuate and I think everybody knows what happened in Katrina and my, my home was destroyed and, um, as many were and I was, I'd evacuated to Tennessee where I'd grown up and, um, it was, you know, had gone back down the city a few weeks afterwards to help um, people with their homes and just do everything. I was just, you know, blown away by this, you know, horrific tragedy. And um, I think being an, an artist, kind of the way I think you deal with a lot of things is you you kind of filter that through uh, your creativity. And, and I think I was... Um, compelled to tell a story you know but but wasn't sure what that story was or what that story should be or or if you we even should tell a story and um it wasn't and and a good friend of mine uh zach godshaw was a writer and director and i acted in his ucla thesis film and he's from lafayette louisiana which is down the road from new orleans and he had met me in new orleans afterwards and we were both just helping people with their homes and um doing what we could, what kind of relief work we could. And, um, I returned home and a family friend called and knew, knew who was a insurance claim adjuster Mm -hmm. and, um, wanted to know if I was all right and, um, everything. And so basically I, um, as soon as I had that conversation, I realized that's what our film's about. Yeah. Like it's about an insurance claim adjuster, you know? And, um, so I went and became an insurance claim adjuster. I had a job as an insurance claim adjuster in Florida and spent three months um, processing homes because Katrina had also hit Florida, not to the extent that New Orleans, but um, there was a ton of work and 
and basically I, I just worked my butt off seven days a week, um, you know, 20 hours a day processing these claims and doing it and making as much money as I could. And, um, in during that process, I'd contacted Zach Godshaw and, um, was feeding him notes and stories. And then we met in new Orleans after those three months and we wrote a script about an insurance claim adjuster or a kid who goes, moves to New Orleans to take a job as an insurance claim adjuster with his uncle Mm -hmm. becomes overwhelmed with the experience and with the amount of damage and, um, and then ends up getting sidetracked, helping a local man look for his lost dog. And the story kind of, um, follows these two characters through, um, kind of storm ravaged new Orleans and, and we used the money that I made claim adjusting to make the film. So it was hmm. kind of, um, yeah, it was kind of a, a one-stop shopping um, process. Um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, and it was, um, an extremely, it was one of the most rewarding, uh, creative experiences I've ever had. I co-wrote the script and, um, acted in it and also pr- produced it. And, um, and we, you know, the, the crew, the whole, movie was made by people from new orleans it was our friends who had come together to help us make it and there's only uh three actors in the film the rest are all real people um who we shot in their storm damage homes who agreed to be in the film and those are some of my favorite performances in the film i mean we owe all those people debt of gratitude yeah it's it is interesting because it is sort of it's a docudrama uh, no question about it because your your character's story and the way that he interacts with his uncle and then uh, this uh, other character who is looking for his dog and all that, uh, there is definitely an arc there and there's, you know, revelations and, and all of that. Um, but then you also, it also is, it's shot in New Orleans and you see a lot of the damage that was done. And so that in itself is documentary footage, but then also as your character, you are talking to these people that have had to endure this. And, and I, I personally think that the film works both ways. I think it, the dramatic, the dramatic aspects work, uh, but also the, the documentary aspects work. I mean, when you hear about, uh, when you hear some of these people's stories, uh, it's really just, you know, because you have this, I don't know, I have this image in my head of what it must be like to go through something like that. And you almost feel like yeah, I was picturing like a soldier in shell shock, right? Not being able to really talk much, just you know, kind of the thousand yard stare. But when you watch these interviews, you realize these are just people. They're just regular people that you could meet, you know, on the street and and of course that also flies in the face of what some people imagine that situation to be which is of course looting and people oh right. well mass chaos so now here's my opportunity to get a tv or something um and so uh it really put a human face but more specifically put a human voice to the katrina victims for me and it really it really you know touched uh I don't know. I, I was really touched when I when I watched it, and it's a, uh, it's just a really wonderful film, and I really uh, responded to it a great deal. Um, no, thank you. And then that was uh, featured uh, at Sundance in '07. '07, yeah, it was. Um, yeah, so it, yeah, it was. It was. Um, 
It was great. James Ag has a great quote, and I'll probably, um, this is the general concept of the quote, it may be, not be direct, but he, it was one that was a big, Nanak of the North was a film that uh, Zach and I were, were both really big fans of, as well as Louisiana Story. Um, and seeing how both those films kind of incorporate, um, you know, kind of, the fictional fictionalizing actual something that and that's truth you know mm-hmm. in, a, in, a, in a sense and um and it's not, not you can't call them documentaries because um the director was getting people to reenact stuff that he wasn't able to to ca- capture the first time around right. so but in in a sense of, so it's it is kind of documented and so we but I think we were both um really and touching the void is another kind of recent oh, yeah. film too that um that was a big influence on us as far as storytelling you know and, and use that and we there and uh james ag um is a phenomenal writer and really has a lot of good film criticism as well and um i read a quote by him that was i think it was a, it was a big jumping off point for zach and i when we started the project and, and he says that, uh i think it's the films I most eagerly look forward to will not be uh, documentaries, but works of pure fiction played into, against, and in collaborate, collaboration with unrehearsed and uninvented reality. Actually, hmm. that may be a direct quote. I may have <laughs> totally nailed it. Um, uh, but um, in doing that, um, I, that quote, just uh, like examining that quote and like what that actually meant and kind of, um, I just think, I was like, yeah, those are the films I want to see too, you know, and, and, uh, there's an authenticity. Um, you know, it's like how, it was basically, how do we achieve that? I like, I like the idea of that. And I think lo and behold was us attempting to, to, um, to capture what, um, what he was talking about in that quote. Um, and I, I, and it's, it's odd that you bring that up because I, I did want to bring this up. I did want to mention something, uh, and ask you a question. And as I've said before, this question might lead nowhere, um, in looking over your filmography, and of course, an actor, as an actor, you you have some say in what roles you take. Uh, but at the same time, you sort of have to take whatever you're given when you're at a certain level. Um, but in looking at at the films that you've been involved in in any way, uh, I noticed that there's an interesting theme of of a certain type of realism. You know, one, I would venture to say, kind of almost neorealism. And then, of course, that, in, that incorporates the idea of documentary. But then also the types of characters that we are watching. It's almost, I mean, I, you know, it's almost always in the Midwest or the South. Um, and the stakes are, as far as Hollywood is concerned, pretty low. You know, the world's not going to end. You're probably not even really going to die. You know, it's just people who need to get a job and they need a little bit of money and here's a job for them. That's not going very well. Or, you know, whatever the case may be. And I just, I I find myself wondering, is that a theme that you are interested in or or something? Not even even a theme, but just that kind of filmmaking, that kind of hyper-real filmmaking about regular people and their lives. Is that something that attracts you as an artist, whether it be writer, film, uh, filmmaker, uh, actor, whatever? Yeah, I think definitely. I, I think just 
like truth interests me in an artist, you know, in anything I do and, um, just truthful stories. And so, um, so yeah, so I, I think definitely, I, I, I think just not, not necessarily that I like, I wouldn't say even, I, I guess if you look at the films I've done, you would have to say I do gravitate towards those. But, um, but I think the, the, what's common in all those films that, that I've done is the element of they're just really honest stories about, you know, these people. And so I would say, yeah, it is. I mean, you know, I think you kind of, you, oddly enough, your next door neighbor is probably, you know, maybe the most interesting person in your life and you don't know it, you know? Yeah. And, and, uh, and I think we're, um, you know, for some people, I mean, I guess I'm not being very articulate about this, but, um, you know, in a lot of ways, I think for many people, Phil and my, my father would be one of these, um, it's a, a form of escapism. I mean, you don't want, you know, you don't want to watch a movie about your next door neighbor. You know, you want to go watch crap blow up, you know, yeah. and, um, or, or not, or, you know, a fantasy or something like that. But, um, but I don't know. I, I just think those films are a lot more interesting. I think it's like kind of diving in and figuring out what makes people tick, um, in real life is, is really fascinating. And, and, and if you can do that in a way that's, um, entertaining, it's even better. Yeah. And just, I mean, of course, shaping it into some sort of structure, Correct. uh, with that, without sacrificing the realistic element, you know, right. I mean, that in many ways that is, maybe not a bigger artistic challenge than putting transformers two together. But, um, but you know, people, when they think of films like these that are smaller and they're just not, not much quote unquote happens in them, but people tend to think like, Oh, that that's, you know, I could do that. And it's like, ah, but you can't. And that's the thing. And, uh, and I, yeah, I, I really enjoy, uh, the types of films that you, uh, are in and that you seem to be drawn to. Yeah. Yeah. I've been re- extremely fortunate. Like I, I just, I, I mean, almost across the board, I could say every, everything I've worked in, uh, um, I'm re- really proud of how those films turned out and, and what, what they are and what they represent. And that's extremely rare to be able to say that, you know, and, um, I've just had the opportunity to work with wonderful writers and directors and actors and, um, and I think the the commonality there between of all of them is that you know they their you know their love for truth and wanting to tell these stories and kind of question life and and um their lives and the people around them's lives and um and I think anytime you have somebody who's handling that with um skill and grace um it's an exciting process or exciting uh prospect and so yeah. All right. Well, I think, uh, well, here's what we're going to do. Because this section of the show went longer than I expected, significantly so. um, I can talk. I can talk. It's fine. So can I. It's, I guess I just should have anticipated. Um, I'm going to do what I did uh, with episode 31. I'm going to split this into two. So this will be 37A and then 37B will be the film that we're going to be talking about. So, uh, but I'll go ahead and and announce this, uh, at the end of this section, which is, um, we're going to do a a giveaway, uh, of your film, lo and behold. Uh, so listeners, if you are interested in, in 
getting yourself a copy of that film, email me, Tyler, at morethanonelesson.com. And uh, I will put all the names into the, oh, shoot, the randomizer. That's right. And, uh, and I will announce on the next episode, not the next episode with Barlow, but uh, the one after that, um, I will announce uh, who won. And uh, this will be uh, an autographed copy. Right, there you Marla? go. There you go. All right. So, um, so yeah, that's. Uh, I, 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 I hope you guys uh, found this interesting, and uh, I do recommend seeking out uh, these various films. I know I will, because as I, we've already established, I haven't seen a lot of them. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so probably tomorrow I will release the second part of this, in which Barlow and I will discuss uh, the now Oscar nominated film, the social network. So, uh, we'll see you then. And thanks for, thanks for listening. Uh, get you then. Bye. Mm-hmm.